You're listening to Vincenzo Landino on the Brand Boost Podcast, powered by Zoom. Today on the podcast, we have Kathy Clotes, guest, someone who I just messed up her name very often. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Totally, totally thought it was, um, uh, she was just really, really adamant about being a guest on people's podcasts. Uh, Little did I know it's actually her last name and didn't notice that until we were friends on Facebook. Kathy, welcome to the podcast. I'm excited to have you because improv is not something we've talked about uh, before on the podcast, but storytelling is, so I cannot wait to combine the two, but how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I, I love, I love that you thought that I, I sort of doubled down on the guest part and like, you know, I just made a living out of guest appearances and you know, if you're going to go in, commit a hundred percent, right? I figured you were committing <laughs> to this podcast thing. Like, wow, <laughs> she is just all in on being a podcast guest. I mean, there's no one else I could ever want to be on my show than Kathy Cloat's guest. Of course. Right. I mean, the, it's in the name. It's the brand promise. There you you know, I thought that's kind of what it was you were going for. And uh, then, of course, uh, chatting with you before, it, it, it is your married name. And I'm sure you get a yes. lot of jokes about that. Uh, but today, yeah. jokes is kind of the subject of the podcast. Well, not really jokes, but improv, which is funniness and and whatnot. If that's even a word, I don't know. Um, I like like funniness. Funniness is good. Funniness is good. Uh, For those, for those listening to the podcast, uh, Kathy is all about keeping it human. And she's got over 20 years marketing experience uh, for companies like Gartner, Media Matrix, Excite, Autodesk, Yahoo. Mm-hmm. Is Yahoo is Yahoo like even relevant anymore? We Not can talk anymore, about that. But it was at the height at the time. It was like the the uh, Silicon Valley darling, you know. Yeah, yeah. Back in the day. Back uh, in the day. You've also got experience in improv, sketch and stand up comedy, a local cable show, which we have to talk about that before we get into yeah. going. And you're a speaker and an author. And your book, Stop Boring Me, mm-hmm. is uh, is coming out soon so we're recording this by the time this comes out it may be released but i am going to forward everybody to check out stopboringme.com where they can sign up for updates there let's talk about this local cable show first of all i need to hear about this (laughs) what's the deal there Well, this was years ago so um san jose had a a local uh a cable uh uh, channel channel 15 and it was sort of like a you know your your public access kind of thing and some friends and i from uh, comedy got together and created a show called more on life uh pun intended more on life and it was a bunch of short skit sketches and and really a sketch show um just little vignettes you know 20 minutes here and there and it ran for about two years and it's very time intensive to do a sketch show, but it was so much fun. And it was just, you learned so much about writing and writing for TV and producing and three camera shoots. And it was just a, I had been doing, you know, improv and comedy, stand-up comedy for many years, but this aspect of actually going from writing this stuff to actually making it fit for TV was an incredible education. Yeah. I, uh, you know, I've always, <laughs> I've always been fascinated by sketch comedy. I mean, I don't, I'm not funny at all. Um, other than the self deprecating type of humor. Yeah. That's all I'm good at. Um, which, which I, I guess people make livings on the stuff. Um, rapper Eminem made a living on just making fun of himself and his raps and he's making tons of money, right? Tons of um, money. 
or has made tons of money. I'm sure he still is. Uh, I, I find it fascinating, fascinating. But you have taken a different approach with marketing and your company keeping it human. Mm-hmm. Uh, you kind of started this buzzword human aspect of marketing. Well, I, I mean, maybe you didn't start it, but you definitely got in ahead of time because you started, let's see, over five plus years ago with keeping it human, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Back in 2008. And then 2009, I launched the website and, uh, I definitely didn't start it. I think it was just the the early beginnings of, I think a rumbling in marketing where everybody was sort of looking at each other going, you know, the status quo really sucks. There's so much jargon. There's so much noise. We, we are transactional in storytelling. We're, we're transactional business and we've forgotten about the human element. And it was very interesting because there were a few people talking about it at the time, not, not like it is today, fast forward, you know, seven years. And, you know, we were joking um, that it kind of jumped the shark, but I think at the time that I was having these discussions, it felt like there needed to be this human wave because it felt like the human need had been all but forgotten. In, in marketing and coming out of high tech where we, we inhale, I think our own fumes and our own jargon, monoxide poisoning. I was like, I couldn't take it anymore. And I knew I wasn't alone. Um, and the more that I talked about it, the more other people that I talked with went, Oh my God. Yeah. I feel that way too, because most marketing, and it still feels that way in some pockets, most marketing just really ignores that. Look at the end of the day, we're all people. And that's really what keeping a human was trying to combat is to bring back more of that human element into, into communications and marketing and the way that we talk with customers. Yeah. You know, right now the landscape is very uh, human oriented and everybody's talking about authenticity and and (laughs) human being human. And, you know, Brian Kramer, a friend of, mine friend of yours uh, he you know human to human h to h that that concept um it which is fantastic i I, i'm so when i'm I'm not referring to him at all just referring to the overall landscape why do you think or you know where has it gone like where has the marketing landscape gone uh over the past five years that you think this word human or authenticity has become so almost like on the marquee. I mean, it's like, if you're not talking about being human or authentic, you you must be fake. Like, why has that happened? I think there was such a, a, I think the popularity of, of human is such a, backlash to all the garbage that everybody sort of, you know, had to deal with before that. And so I think when human came along, it just so resonated. And this is really sort of, you know, um, one of the things that I was writing about in the book was marketing was devoid of emotional resonance. And it never spoke to anything bigger than our wallets. It was never about aspirational or inspirational behavior. And human beings aren't just, you know, rational economic creatures. We care about being inspired and touched and all these different things. And marketing was really sucky and dry. So it spoke to something. But I also think it's kind of, I I also still think it's missed the mark. Because, I mean, the way you described it cracks me up, but you're, you're so spot on. Because I think that... 
that everybody talks about being authentic and everybody talks about being human, but I think it's kind of been whitewashed. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I can, I can go to a number of, of websites today and like people ink and we talk about peopley stuff and we got pictures of people on our website and therefore yep. we are yep. people centric. And it's like a walking SNL sketch. It's ridiculous because they miss the point that this is not, um, an exercise, a cosmetic exercise. What keeping it human means is that inside out in your company, you have to give a crap about people. You have to care about your employees. You can't have great customer service and great marketing. If your employees are not treated like human beings and they got to care about the company, got to love the company. They got to be the most ardent, passionate champions of the company. And I think that we've forgotten that this is not a cosmetic surgery Botox process. This is, this is an inside out, honest to goodness, building the culture that flows outward. And I, that's where I kind of, I still think it, it's jumped the shark in some ways, but it's still important because I think that there are companies that talk a lot about it, but I don't think they really walk the talk. And that's where I get frustrated and I'm sure I'm not alone. And I think, yeah, I get it. But just talking about people and having pictures of smiling employees on your website, when your customer service stinks, that's not cutting it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to call you Fonzie right now because you, you broke out the jumping the shark reference. So I'm going to call Yay! you Fonzie. Happy days. Woo. <laughs> for, those, for those that don't know, jumping the shark actually stemmed from the episode of happy days where Fonzie literally jumped a shark. He did. He did. Yes. Uh, most people don't know that, especially most people my age don't know that who didn't really grow up when happy days was airing. Um, yeah. I, I watched it. A, I watched it a ton yeah. growing up, but it was really, runs and um my love for knowledge led me to understanding why or what jumping the shark actually meant so that's awesome a, that you know a, that that's there's a little awesome. lesson for everyone <laughs> <laughs> yes because i'm a gen xer and a lot of millennials are like what are you talking about and i have to explain to them so thank you you that's awesome that you know that Ah, see, I, some, sometimes my useless knowledge comes in, comes into play and, and useless is sometimes what it, what it is, but Hey, today it worked. Um, yeah. Yeah. I want to get into, first of all, if you guys haven't checked out keeping check out the uh, bio page for Kathy and scroll down to the bottom. She has this funny little, um, little image called got jargon and it's uh, it, it's a little product for spraying liberally and getting rid of the marketing jargon like low-hanging fruit and all hands on deck and pain points which yeah. i think is hysterical so i just i'm going to tweet it out as well but it's funny <laughs> that's the type of that's the type of person kathy is and that's the type of uh, uh of content that we're talking about today <laughs> getting rid of that kind of stuff yeah. um Okay, let's get into a little bit about improv. Yes. Improv for better storytelling. Just last week, I had Park Howell on. Mm -hmm. And Park is a master storyteller using the storytelling or the hero's journey. Um, What... Do you take I, maybe you can comment a little bit about that because, yeah. you know, Park, you're, you're, you're friends with Park. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about that storytelling journey and how that differs from the human aspect. Let's let's hold off on the improv, but just the human aspect of storytelling. How does um, how does that tie in or how does it differ from the hero's journey? 
Well, I, I don't think it necessarily is is incompatible. I think I think the way sometimes they're presented, it, it feels like maybe they're different, and I think they're they're really not. I think the hero's journey is a beautiful model from Joseph Campbell, um, and it goes back to this idea of the monomyth, and all, all cultures has a story, and there's there's you know the inciting incident that sets our hero off on this quest, and a lot of times, um, and and Perk probably talked about this. Companies misinterpret that to be, oh, I'm the company, the hero. Well, not really. Usually the brand is the guide or the mentor or some other character can't always be the hero. And so sometimes what ends up happening is that there's nothing wrong with the hero's journey, but the hero's journey is one piece of the storytelling uh, pu- uh, puzzle. And let me give you an example. In high tech, I came out of um, branding and marketing for many years in high tech, and I told lots of stories. But what ends up happening a lot of times in the tech world is that we celebrate the founder or the startup, and we celebrate the technology, and we forget that it's never about that. That's not the hero. And so we the, the way the hero's journey is, um, is applied is often at odds with getting people to see themselves in the story. So you have to get people to understand that when the hero comes back to the village, it's no longer a me story. It's a we story. And if the hero is all about, I have a new way to do things and I've got the answer, that's very alienating and patronizing. And the villagers are going, yeah, so what? So you're telling us we're wrong? And I think the way people use the hero's journey can come off, I think, sometimes misguided and, and arrogant if it's not done right. Because the villagers need to see themselves in that we story. It can't be a me, cult of lone genius in tech, celebrating the founders and Steve Jobs and all about me, me, me and my ego, it's got to be about, all right, that's great. But here's what the technology can do for each one of us. And the hero's journey is best when it sparks everybody to see the hero in themselves and to see themselves in that story. And that's where sometimes I think, especially in tech where I came out of Vincenzo, people don't quite understand that. No, no. It... To me, there's a huge gap between tech and storytelling, right? Yes. Storytelling, yes. marketing, um, tech and marketing in general seem to just be like oil and water, right? Like <laughs> yes. There's no pulse on marketing in the tech world. And in the marketing world, there's no real pulse on tech. And that's not for everybody. I know I'm generalizing. Right. But I think the overall, um, you know, the big picture, you look, you step back and it's like, I mean, even looking at companies like, um, you know, maybe Facebook or, you know, they're, they're a tech engineering giant, but yet like, what do they actually do to market themselves other than just try to become a monopoly, right? Like just squash everything. Like there's, there's no tie in there. And I know like we digress. It's not exactly the point you were trying to make, but it's just, I look at it and I just, I find it very, very interesting. But um, I think you're onto something and I, and I, I want to jump in there because I think, yeah. no, I think you're not, I think you're totally on point. I think what Facebook and has done in the last few years, if you, if we step back and look at it is they've recognized that the true story 
The true aha is it's about human connection. And think in times of disasters, what do people do? They go to Facebook to find each other. Are you okay? Are you okay? Um, It's about video and connecting with people and keeping in touch with your family and your tribe all over the world, even though you can't be there. So I think more and more what I think Facebook has tried to do is recognize that, yeah, tech makes a pretty crappy story because it's never about that. But what it is, ah, the human need to be connected and to grow that social connection because fundamentally we're all we're all humans are, are con- animals that seek connection and they oh, yeah. and I think in the last couple of years they've really recognized that they sort of you know suffered from their own fumes and inhaled their own fumes and they've been better about I think trying to tell that story of connection and, and I feel like they've made some progress on that yeah um Let's go into a little bit more depth about improv because that's your thing. Like that's what you focus on. Your latest book, Stop Boring Me, mm-hmm. um, is all about you know keeping it human, um, yes. creating marketing content behind improv and the power of improv. Um, I've never really looked at improv at all. So this is com- this is again another episode where I'm totally. <laughs> Uh, going to be listening uh and and i and i find that that's always the um those are always the best episodes like i listened to park talk for an hour because i was generally just uh, genuinely just like blown away by the hero's journey if you know i didn't study that hollywood um yeah uh, you know storytelling and so this you know same question for you Mm -hmm. you know improv is telling better stories because you are opening this creative channel you're thinking differently you're looking at content differently but those are really generic right so let's go into depth a little bit more about that what about improv let's start high level what about improv at its at its core have you used for your marketing um you know for marketing so it's a great question. And I, and I'm going to say that what improv really is about is I want to clarify is, you know, sometimes improv is being funny and a lot of times it's not. So I think people sometimes have this, um, misunderstanding that with improv, they have to be theatrical or they have to be funny. And the reality Mm. is, is no, the beauty about improv, if you go watch a TV show, a sitcom, if you go to a play, if you go to see an actual improv show where the story is completely made up on the spot using audience suggestions, A, you're never bored. B, you're at the edge of your seat if it's good improv and C, you're seeing a human narrative play out in front of you real time. Now, why is it that we can have this emotional resonance, deep emotional resonance over here, but yet in business storytelling, it's so dry and superficial? And the answer is very simple. In business, we're transactional. We completely run over the human element because we don't think it's important to develop. And when you're watching improv, really good improv, it's never about you know, what somebody bought or what somebody ate. It's about Mm -hmm. the relationships that that person has with everybody else on that stage in that story. Who are they and what the hell do they really want? And that is what, if we took those concepts and put them back into business storytelling where they belong, business storytelling would be better. So there's so many concepts I could I could go into, but I'm going to let that sit for a second because that's a lot. That's a that's a big thing. Yeah. So I'm trying to understand this and, and I, I'm sure many will have this um, same you know thought is. Yeah. 
if improv is not necessarily being theatrical or funny, mm-hmm. what exactly? So what? Let's let's define improv then. Yeah. What exactly does improv mean to you, or how are you defining improv so that we can understand that going forward? Right. So there's so really quickly, I'm going to be just nerdy for for just oh, a, please, a, little, please. A, a short time just to so people can understand. So in the world of improv, there's different kinds, but it boils down to two, and they're both they're both about being playful. Basically, improv is about being playful. Short form improv is a lot like what you is what you'd see on whose line is it anyway? They're short form games, three to four minutes, maybe five minutes each, and you know they're, they they tend to be funny. Then there's what we call long form in improv, and it's it's a thir- you can see a thirty or forty minute um, piece completely made up by the improvisers based on suggestions, and you'll see people laugh. You'll see people get serious. You'll see people go through the whole range of human emotions, not just being funny because they're playing it real. And so what improv is, is it's about taking a set of principles about how improvisers build a narrative on a stage in real time with each other. A, they yes and each other. B, they always, always remember the human want. They, they react emotionally they always react to what's being said. Big, big emotional reactions. They make each other look good. They focus on somebody else as the hero. Mm-hmm. And then they, they, they embrace imperfection. And a lot of these different things that improvisers are taught about great storytelling on a stage can make the way that you think about business storytelling and write great business stories better. Um. For the audience, you mentioned yes and, mm-hmm. and for those that may not understand yes and, it's it's one of those core aspects or rule of thumbs uh, of improv yeah. in general, where you accept a statement and then you expand on that line of thinking. Yes, um, that's that's yes and. Um, I love that you brought it up because in my um, and and I believe actually Tina Fey isn't that one of her rules yes. of improv? Like she's she's written that. Um, yeah. I, I truly believe social media is the epitome of improv or let me back that up. I think that brands, whether personal or, or, you know, businesses, um, any, any, anybody operating on social media should be using a yes and, uh, rule of thumb, right? They should be using this. So by way of uh, by way of that, they should be using improv uh, because social. You should be listening. Mm-hmm. You should be accepting mm-hmm. uh, statements from others, your participants, yep. and then expanding on it, whether it's in response as a customer service or um, you know or anything really, any type of response that any brand makes should be in that line. Exactly. Um, Exactly. Why do you think, why do you think it's, and here's the thing, let's be brutally honest. Most don't even don't get this yet. Why do you think that is? You know, I think it goes back to really uh, an issue that's got nothing to do with marketing or improv. And that's really just this issue of letting go and trusting people. And, you know, it's interesting Mm. because big companies still have a hard time empowering people. Think about it this way. And I'm totally with you. And you actually, can I just say um, big old kudos to you? Because you, in a (laughs) nutshell, with yes and, you encapsulated what I think great marketing is supposed to be. Mm. It's supposed to yes and the customer. It's supposed to yes and employees. Look, the best we know 
I know for a fact that the best storytellers in business today are, are employees and customers. They are not the people in the C-suite. And let's be clear, they're usually not the people that work in more in corporate marketing. They just usually aren't. Yep. But but it, there's such a fear of letting go of the control and, and being improvisational in the sense of, hey, man, you know, when, when you've got an employee that you find out is building homes for Habitat for Humanity on her weekends and she's built like 20 homes and she's a brand ambassador for your company, let her tell that story. When you find out that you've got, you know, a, a, a an employee that's out there um, that just developed a patent for, uh, you know, a, a blanket that warms infants so that uh, in impoverished uh, areas they can, you know, um, they have tools that they wouldn't afford to be able to afford to have otherwise to, to save lives. Why are we talking about that? Because that's in line with, if you say your the mission of your company is to go out in the community and change the community and be helpful, that seems to be in line with the, the corporate mission. And even if they're doing it on their own time, that's a great story you want to highlight. Look at look at what Coles did with Chewbacca Mom, right? Oh, I know. Yeah, they jumped on it. Now, a brand that is not improvisational and doesn't believe in Great stories wherever they live, meaning outside of marketing, would never have jumped on that. But Cole's got that right away. And they said, you know what? Because great stories are co-created. And that's the key, is that when we build stories on an improv stage, Vincenzo, I say something, my partner yes-ands it, that I yes-and that. And that's how we build a scene. And great marketing is co-created with your customers. It's co-created with your partners. It's co-created with your own employees. And why are we not thinking like that today? And that's really, to me, there's no difference. And I've spent 20 years in comedy. I've spent 20 years in marketing. And they're basically the same. They should be. I love what you said about letting go and vulnerability. And it reminds me of what Brene Brown has said. Vulnerability is the birthplace of innovation, creativity, and change. Um, she even goes on to say that imperfections are not inadequacies. They're reminders that we're all in this together. So it yes. goes back to that we is greater than me, um, you know, where you differentiated between the hero's journey and, and improv, where it's it's a very we-centric yes. um, opportunity. And I love Brene Brown and, and you know, her, she's big on vulnerability and I and may not be exactly vulnerable in the same regards we're, we're talking about, yeah. but it, it is, it is very much... Uh, along the lines of creativity, mm-hmm. authenticity. Um, and so, you know, when I look at, I'm going to say brands, but when I look at brands that don't know how to let go, that don't know how to empower their employees, that don't know how to empower their, their customers yeah. really, um, you know, shame on them. And, and now getting a better understanding for, improv the way you are defining improv or, or at least probably the, the right way of, of defining improv as opposed to just thinking, haha, it's funny. Right. Um, you know, I look at it and I'm saying, wow, this is, this is exact, exactly the way really marketing should be done. And, and yeah. I want to contrast it for a second against you know, Mad Men. You ever seen Mad Men? I love Mad Men. <laughs> oh, I, I, I love Mad Men. Um, <laughs> Love, love, I mean, what a show. Yeah, what a show, what a show. <laughs> I, I smile when I think about about it and like I want to be Don Draper some, sometimes, <laughs> uh, minus minus the cigarettes and, and, and whatnot. But In the baggage, yes. In the baggage, yeah. Um, but we look at the 60s or uh, 
that time period of marketing and, and I'm circling back to what you had mentioned where this, the popularity of the human aspect or the, Mm -hmm. this improv aspect was because there was none. It was fully devoid of that. Um, what changed? And now I know I asked you what changed earlier about, you know, why we're talking about human, but what changed in society that back in the sixties, people wanted to just be sold a cool item. You attach a jingle with, you know, a household product and, you know, house, uh, housewives are going to run out and go buy it, but now you can't do that. I mean, right. You would agree that that's probably not the best way of marketing anything nowadays. What changed society in society, um, to make things different? Such a great question. It is a really good question. And it's, and I've spent a lot of time thinking about it and, and you know, I think a lot of things have changed and, but one of the big changes just generational. And, you know, you think about, for example, you know, I, some of my, my clients are, are boomers and they come from that baby boom generation. And there's a certain amount of, well, of division between corporate life and personal life. And then you talk to a millennial and there's no difference. There's no, there is no, you know, firewall because they want to bring everything of who they are to work and vice versa. Why wouldn't, why would they leave their personality in their car in the parking lot? Right. They wouldn't do Mm -hmm. it. But I think that's such a huge generational shift and companies can't ignore it. I think we all want it. Like I'm a, I'm a Gen X or I'm not a millennial, but I want more humanness and how much more. So when I talk to millennials, it's very funny. I think boomers got used to a way of the world being, and they just kind of accepted that there was this division. And so, you know, the business was super serious and we talked at this level and we didn't have put too much, you know, thought into being transparent and open mm-hmm. and human. Cause you know, you didn't do that, but try getting a millennial to be a brand champion for your company or work for your company. When you take an attitude like that, there's no way they would do it because they're smart <laughs> and it just, it's not going to fly. So I think that, the good news is, is that we've, this trajectory has happened and people's expectations about what a company should be in the world. And it can't just, you know, be about greed and profits. It's got to be about a larger mission, social mission, and it's got to be open and transparent. I think it's just, we're seeing it, that generational shift and companies just have to respond. I think it doesn't matter what I think. I want to know from you. Yeah. What companies are doing it right like who do you look at and say yes that is a perfect example of doing it right and if you have a few that'd be great if they're clients that's fine if you don't if you can't just do you have a couple examples for us Mm -hmm. the listeners as to who they can really put on a pedestal and model after in terms of being human or just, uh, you know, sort of improvisational. I think, I think, I think both. I mean, I think they go, I mean, the more I listen to it, I think improv is being human. I agree. I agree. I I know you agree. (laughs) Um, (laughs) We're done. It's it's the interviews. You summed it up nicely. It's a wrap. That's a wrap. But yeah. (laughs) And scene as we say in improv. No. um, Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, it is a great question because I've always felt that there was, I've, you're, you're right. You know, I have, I felt the same way. I think there are companies doing a really good job. You know, we talked about Kohl's talk about listening. They're being so smart. Um, I think there are tech companies that are getting smarter about it. Um, 
like I would say Microsoft has done an amazing job just from where they were, you know, 10 years ago, because they think they think about storytelling all the time and they're bringing out all kinds of stories and they're letting people tell those stories that are customers, employees. So they've opened up the floodgates a lot. Um, IBM has done the same thing. IBM has more internal bloggers. And you say, well, what does that got to do with storytelling? Well, it's the ultimate in transparency. Oh, yeah. They, They let their bloggers, they let their employees add value in a way to customers that, my gosh, they never did before 10 years ago. And we're seeing companies recognize that actually, if your employee voice, uh, voices are out there connecting, you know, it's more credible, people believe it. And then the lifetime value of a customer for IBM went up by seven times, by seven times because of their open blogging practices. This is, wow. this is huge. Um, I think companies like GE, I never would have said, you know, six years ago that for a big industrial behemoth that mm-hmm. they are thinking openly, but they recognize that, look, a lot of their older customers are retiring. They're leaving the workforce. They're still consumers, but what they have to do is look at this upcoming generation and make their, their brand heritage relevant to a whole new generation of people. And that means better storytelling. And GE has done an amazing job in the last two years with storytelling. It really blows my mind. Um, Tom shoes, Warby Parker, um, these are very improvisational companies. Warby Parker, they, um, there was a, there was a, a woman who tweeted out, you know, her glasses got broken and she, uh, it was like the holidays and Warby Parker like sent her new glasses. Like they overnighted her new glasses and the customer service department, like sang songs for her, wrote her a bunch of songs and then tweet <laughs> and then tweeted out these songs. And I thought how brilliant, because they recognized that they had an opportunity. They co-created content co-created and took a a big leap of faith with this customer. And then that got shared. And when you can create that narrative with your customer, that's letting go and that's seizing the moment. And that's a very beautiful improvisational mindset. Those are fantastic examples. And I think uh, I was, I would have said GE too. I mean, obviously the rest of them as well, but, um, and I I guess I'll pick on GE for a second, but they really, um, like they've embraced newer, newer social tools like Snapchat. I mean, again, like you said, you would think that they are like how, how do they have anything to do with Snapchat? Like what, what could they possibly do? But they're really embracing it and they're giving their employees a lot of, a lot of power. So they're mm-hmm. embracing that. Um, anyway. Absolutely. And letting go is, is so improvisational. Yeah. It means that you don't control the narrative. And, and, you know, when we, when we are on stage and I'm performing improv with my, with the groups that I play with, you have to recognize that you don't control the ending narrative. You're building this together and you have to recognize that whatever is built and co-created is going to be better than what you could drive doing it yourself. And I love that GE is, is as a, as a big industrial you know, old company is recognizing that, gosh, you know what, if we give people the tools, they are going to create content and tell the narrative in a way that's relevant for them better than we could in marketing because they know their relationship to the brand better than we do. So let, if we let go, we're going to end up with better storytelling. That's really the essence of improv. Your book, Stop Boring Me, comes out soon. soon. We mentioned that already. Yeah. Um, and I have a copy of it because I'm special. <laughs> you are special. <laughs> uh, 
I love in uh, chapter eight, embracing perfection, imperfection, uh, where, you know, we already mentioned Brene Brown and I love Brene Brown. So it, it's just, I think that's perfect yeah. uh, tie in. And, and chapter nine, I love your title, your, your title, <laughs> idea orgasms um, and how improv really helps you unleash your creativeness, your creativity. Yeah. Um, I think I really like after, and I, I didn't finish the book. I, I read uh, bits and pieces of it to prepare for this, but also um, I'm going to finish it. Good, good. I, I think that after talking to you more, reading a bit more, I really think that all marketers need to take an improv class, at I, least one. I agree. Um, I agree. And I would, I think their world would be opened up and everybody would be better off. I agree. I completely agree. Well, you really, what, what it does, at least from what I've observed over you know, the little bit of time that I've taken a look at this is that it opens up opportunities. Whereas, well, like you said, like you said, it, you know, the final thoughts of your book safe is risky, right? Yeah. So you can be safe. You can play it safe, quote unquote, but safe is really no longer safe. It's just kind of like, okay, ho-hum, another boring brand. Like they're not going to respond to this because it could go down a rabbit hole <laughs> rather than, yeah. rather than embracing the opportunity and creating an opportunity. Um, and I don't know, maybe, maybe just who knows what you can do. You know, you create more advocates that way by, by using, you know, this, you know, using improv. And, and so I really, really, I'm going to make a statement out there for everybody listening that if it doesn't matter what you do, whether you are working for a big brand, you work for yourself, whether you are a personal brand, embrace yes and embrace improv. And I would, I mean, I'm going to look up improv opportunities in my area so that I can, I can take some of these classes because I would love to be um, well-versed in this. I think this is absolutely what marketing is missing. Yep. Um, yeah. And so, and, I agree. I just think it's being different, right? It's really being different. It's being different. And I think you, you know, you summarized it well. It's, you know, to me, when I did comedy, what it really gave me was the ability to have a yes and my mindset that I brought back to marketing. And that's, that is what's missing and it will change your life. It's, it's more, yes, it'll make you funny. It'll make you funnier. I, I will say that to people. It will hone your comedy skills, but it's going to, I think it will transform the way that you see opportunity. And when we think about marketers being in the moment, we talk about, you know, uh, the Oreo thing and, and the Coles, you know, Chewbacca mom thing. We have to embrace this idea of being improvisational. And that is fundamentally a yes and mentality and improv. That is the most important rule of improv. And I believe, I believe it is the most important rule of creating a great brand. And that is mm. yes. And I, I, I believe it in my soul. And that was, that's sort of what prompted me to write the book, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No. And that's, you know, when, when opportunity strikes or when you, you kind of get that gut feeling, uh, don't flush it down the toilet. Write a book. <laughs> write a book. Don't let it jump the shark. Go right. write. Go write the book. <laughs> write a book. Write a book. Exactly. Um, okay. Kathy. Yeah. Do you hear that? 
little oh. a little hum a little never yeah. mind there was a little hum going on yeah. this is what happens when you record yeah things happen i don't know what that was anyway it's improv. this is improv this is improv yeah i i just heard i heard a beat it was like a jazz beat a little rhythm and blues going on and i'm like okay maybe kathy's trying to get me to like get off you know, stop recording. I got no time left. And I'm no. like, okay, a little, a little odd. No, um, not me. <laughs> Kathy, tell us where we can connect with you uh, and tell us more uh, about your preferred method of communication online with you so we could find out more. We can um, potentially, for those that are looking to incorporate uh, more of an improv um, uh, mindset into their business, they can hire you. Uh, just tell us more about where they can connect. Absolutely. Um, you can uh, email me at Kathy at keeping it human.com. You go to keeping it human.com. Take a look around. Um, I do work with companies on, on helping them understand storytelling and bringing some of these concepts from improv stage to the business storytelling page. So their content is more powerful. So I can help in that regard. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Kathy Cloak's guest. And if there are, I am looking for a few more people who, if you want to, review the book. If you'd like to, if you'd like to review the book, let me know, send me, send me an email again, Kathy with K at keeping it and just put in, I'm in, I'm in. And, uh, we'll make that happen. There we go. Um, Kathy at keeping it human.com. And we will, uh, if you want to review the book, which I, I do recommend, it's not even that long. It's, it's, it's like 200 pages, I believe. And it's fun. Um, I think it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you know what, like, I think it just opens up a lot of opportunity, a lot of, uh, just, it just opens up your mind to like what you can do. Um, I know it got me thinking and just from, you know, like I said, I didn't even read every word yet. Um, thanks Alaska. <laughs> um, well, your, your homework then. <laughs> my homework is to actually read every word of the book, which I will do. Um, but I, I'm telling you from, from actually having it and, and highlighting the pieces that I wanted to, you know, touch upon, uh, you, you need to at least, at least review it, you know? Yeah. And then obviously when it comes out, uh, I would say buy the book cause Kathy is super smart, super funny, and she knows what she's talking about. Kathy, I really, really do appreciate. Oh, I stop boring me.com. Yeah. Sorry. If I didn't, I didn't mention that stop boring me.com to sign up. If, if you don't, uh, if you don't email her for a, early copy can, you, um, can i say one thing too i just want to say no one. <laughs> no you, you just no butted me and that's i did i know <laughs> um here just really quickly i just want to tell everybody we're all business improvisers and the business stage mm. we all know how to improvise we just somehow i think we forget that skill but i really think that our true human core i really believe we go through life having to make decisions every day. So you already know how to improvise. I really believe that. I think this book just sort of reminds everybody about the true, you know, human nature and superpower that I think we all have, which is we're all business improvisers. We just need to say yes. And we need to recognize that and say yes. And yes. And that's it. All you need to know that's is it. say yes. And embrace. Yes. And embrace improv. Um, make yourself a better brand. Uh, I can't thank you enough really for, for doing this. I know that we've been trying to connect, uh, finally made this happen. Um, I really, really appreciate it. I think this is something that, uh, all listeners really needed to hear. And you know what, for 45 minutes of your day, if there's one thing that you listen to this, this is definitely it. Um, and between you 
and having Park on. It's really a storytelling clinic yes. being put on here on the Brand Boost podcast. Uh, you know, coming coming at it from a couple different angles, but uh, really just just making it making it human and yeah. making it making it interesting for the consumer. It's not just uh, preaching or it's not just uh, broadcasting to them. It's it's really bringing them into the story. And, wow. and that's what I love about this. So yeah, thank you. Again, Happy thank to be you. here. This has yeah, been a treat. It's been a treat to it, talk to you. It's been my pleasure. I can't, I cannot uh, wait to continue the conversation. Uh, but until next time, ciao. Bye. Bye everybody. Thanks so much. This has been a VincenzoLandino.com production. Thank you for listening. If you enjoy the Brand Boost podcast, please give us a rating, write a review, or subscribe. Head on over to BrandBoostCast.com forward slash subscribe.